Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. There's a lot of moon action going on at the moment. Two supermoons and then a blue moon. David Moore from Astronomy Ireland is here to tell us what's going on. Afternoon, David. Afternoon, Sean. Right. Okay. So, first off, uh, what is a supermoon? Well, as the moon goes around the Earth, it actually varies its distance by about 15%, which can make its brightness change by about 30%. So when the moon is full and is at its closest to the Earth, you get this extra bright moon, full moon rising. So we call those a supermoon. Not particularly scientifically important, but anything that gets people looking at the moon and it's the best, brightest moon you're ever going to see in your life is okay in our books. Yeah, and, and if it's closer, does it seem bigger? Yeah, well, there's two effects that go on. One is, of course, the supermoon. It really is a little bit closer than normal and a little bit brighter. But also, when the moon is rising, there's an incredible optical illusion that often happens called the moon illusion. And, it's, and I've seen it myself. Sometimes the moon whether it's a supermoon or not, will look two or three times bigger, if you ask me, than it does when it's high up in the sky. And nobody really knows why this moon illusion happens. They think it might be linked to the fact that when the human eye-brain combination brings something closer, in our ancient past where we're on the savannas of Africa, and we saw predators in the distance, people who thought they were a bit closer than they were otherwise ran away first, and they went on to breed the next generation. So it's a natural selection, but we're not sure. But it sounds like a good story anyway. Yeah, an excellent story. The, the, this is also like the, the scene from Father Ted, isn't it? Uh, uh, far away and uh, uh, very small. Uh, the, uh, so a supermoon, how often do they occur? Well, supermoons are easy enough to predict. So on average, they happen about every 2.6 years. So once every three years uh, or so. And we get several of them because the, 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 the times of full moon happen roughly every month. That's where the word month came from. There were 12 full moons a year. So we split our ancient calendar up into those months. And the, the time when the moon is closest is a slightly different time scale. So they get out of sync and then eventually after two or three years they come back into sync. And the, you know, this the supermoon that's really closest, the moon full moon before and after that will be almost the same. The human eye wouldn't be able to tell the difference. So arbitrarily we've decided that it's if it's within 90% of its closest when it's full, we'll call it the supermoon. That means we can have four this year. We had one last oh. month. One technically the closest is tomorrow, Tuesday but it looked just as good the day before and after. So tonight, Tuesday and Wednesday are great nights to watch. And in fact, the next one, the blue moon that's at the end of August, managed to squeeze two into August and the one in September. There'll be super moons as well. So it's, it's great moon territory. OK. Um, and what would be the best time of the night to look at a super moon? Well, when it's rising so that you get that moon illusion effect as well. It doesn't always happen. I watched the last full moon rising and I did, didn't think it was any bigger than normal. But I remember a few years ago driving down the road and the moon at the end of the road looked colossal. It was a, a really impressive version of the moon illusion. Mm -hmm. So the time for moonrise tonight is just after nine. It depends where you are in the country. East coast, you'll see it first, west coast later. So around nine to nine thirty and roughly a half hour later tomorrow night and a half hour after that. And although tomorrow night is technically the fullest moon you can get, as I said, the naked eye won't be able to tell the difference tonight. But tonight, the moon will rise a little bit closer to sunset. And that means the landscape will be lit up. And the best photographs to take 
and we want people to send their photographs into Astronomy Island magazine are when the landscape's lit up because your camera works best that way. And you can line it up with buildings, trees, landscapes, sculptures, even members of family and friends. Having the kids pretending to hold the moon in their hand is, <laughs> is a classic picture. <laughs> uh, and a blue moon then. Uh, what's the difference there? Yeah, I mean, the moon has appeared blue in the past. There was a time in the 1950s, I think it was, there were huge wildfires in Canada, something similar going on recently as well. And that scattered all the red light out of the uh, air and we were left with blue light. And the moon did actually generally appear blue. So we don't expect it to appear blue in August, which is tomorrow on. But but the, the term blue moon, once in a blue moon, became linked to the second full moon that manages to squeeze itself into the same calendar month. Ah. So there's a full moon on August 1st and another one at the end of August, I think it's the 30th. And so if you've got a month that's got 31 days and you have a full moon in the first day or two, you can just about squeeze a second one in. And that comes up uh, every 2.6 years or so. So it's really more a reference to the uh, um, the rarity of having two supermoons in the same month rather than it's actually blue. Well, in fact, they won't always be supermoons. That's the catch. You know, it's getting a ah. bit tricky. We've got full moons, we've got blue moons, and we've got supermoons. And you can actually get then a, a, a full blue moon that is a supermoon, and they're very rare. Uh, I think the last one was 2009, next one in 2034. So you're talking roughly once a decade. So the one at the end of August, that's really special. It's a blue supermoon. In fact, we're calling the supermoon tomorrow uh, uh, the sturgeon moon. A lot of the names of the full moons come from Native American culture. There are Celtic names, there are Chinese names. But with the Americans having such a stranglehold on the Internet, they came up with the names of the moons first. And that's the one that seems to have stuck. A sturgeon moon. A sturgeon moon, because uh, for the Native Amer- uh, Americans uh, near the Great Lakes, apparently sturgeons were very prolific and a good source of food in August. So ah, they call right. the August moon the sturgeon moon. Okay. The, um, <laughs> when, the yeah. most popular, I think most people know, is the harvest moon. Yeah. The one in September. And that has a particular trait to it. that it Normally the moon will rise about an hour later or, or, on average each night, but for various complicated reasons I won't go into, the, the full moon rises in September, only about 15 minutes later each night. So in ancient times when we didn't have electric lights, bringing the harvest in with moonlight, man, you could actually work into the twilight and late into the night and just about see what you were doing. So it was very important back in ancient times. Uh, right. So and, and like, when would you think we'll be in a position to see um, man-made objects, human-made objects, on the moon. <laughs> well, I mean, there are some there at the moment. There's the landing site for the various Apollo craft. The Chinese have landed on the moon as well. Uh, India is planning to do it also. Uh, and of course, private citizens are now getting into the game with Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. First of all, building craft for NASA under NASA money, but they plan to do it themselves in the future. But if you're talking about a moon base, Well, the first new landings of humans on the moon were hoping for around 2025. Uh, The big rocket that's going to take them there has already been tested last year and works. So now it's a a test flight with people on it, probably end of next year. That'll go around the moon, but not land. And then the next crew, roughly a year after that, will actually land. And then the, the talk is to set up a moon base 
and use that as a stepping stone to Mars. So it's been a long time since we were last on the moon, December 1972. Mm-hmm. So much for progress. But at, at last, this technology's caught up. It was extremely expensive back then and done as a prestige project when the USA was competing with the USSR. Now it's really matter of fact. We've got the technology. Yes, it's expensive, but we can sort of afford to do it without spending 5% of our of America's federal budget on the whole program. And and will it, for people who you know, remember even the moon landings or have seen pictures of, of, of those ones in the 60s and 70s, will this look different? Will the spacesuits be different? Will the craft be different? Uh Definitely, definitely, but not hugely different. It won't be like things you see in science fiction movies or these vast spacecrafts. Everything's still expensive in space. You launch the minimum amount that you can. Probably, I think they're talking about crews of four. Any space station will be very small to begin with, but then they'll build on that. I mean, look at the International Space Station now. It would barely fit in Croke Park on, on the pitch. And the early space stations were about the size of a van or a lorry. Yeah. And, and things are going to get bigger and bigger. And especially as more people go into space, that brings the cost down. It's like computers. The computing power they had to, to go to the moon cost a fortune. And now people have got far more on their wristwatch. Yeah, it's true. No, but I was kind of wondering, you know, that like in the original ones, that you know, the technology mostly consisted of bits that fell off, like loads of bit fall off the rocket, and then they get to the moon, and then the lunar module goes down, and then they leave half of that behind. It's, so, will it be yeah. a similar kind of way of doing it? Yeah. Yeah, because as long as you use chemical rockets, this is the problem. You've got to overcome the Earth's gravity. And most of the energy and fuel that you use is actually getting the fuel up higher. So you've still got a bit left to get a little bit higher, etc. So some genius, a rocket scientist, has figured out exactly how much fuel you need to get. I think it was 3,000 tons that the Saturn V moon rockets weighed when they launched. And they barely got a small craft that could house Neil Armstrong, good Irishman, by the way and Buzz Aldrin onto the moon surface. And then they even left the lower part of their craft as they blasted the minimum amount of material they needed off the surface of the moon to dock with uh, Mike Collins. So it's always going to be like that as long as we're using chemical rockets. And it looks like that's probably the only technology we've got for the foreseeable future. And the ah. only thing that's going to bring the cost down is mass producing them. The Apollo craft were more or less one off. Well, they had a dozen of them. Um, and, but if you're going to make them by the thousand, I mean, one thing that really excites me about the future was a few years ago when Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, the world's two richest men who both own space companies, said that they are going to put 100,000 people on Mars by the end of this century. Now, nobody's been to Mars, 100,000 people by the end of the century. And, you know, if there's anybody else that said that, you'd say they're crazy. But these were literally billion, multi-billionaires, nearly trillionaires, putting their money where their mouth is. And? <laughs> and so I expect they're right. Do you? <laughs> you know, well, they it would be fair to say Elon Musk actually turned out to be crazy. <laughs> well, if you follow the pages of Astronomy Island magazine, and I know you do, <laughs> yes. you'll see his crazy craft. Even I can't believe it. He's building this 100-seater rocket to Mars. Now, even now, NASA, government agencies planning to go to the moon are talking about a few people uh, but he's building a 100 seater craft and he's launching it and he's building it with his own money now that's pretty serious and the rocket does fly okay admittedly the first test blew up but the important thing was it got <laughs> off the ground you know and he'll they'll perfect that like the, he's launching 
uh, countless, uh, the number of messages coming across my desk, another rocket being launched for this company and that, or satellite for this company and that company by SpaceX, his company. Jeff Bezos got a bit of a contract with NASA for the moon landings as well. Everybody's getting in on, on the act. And, you know, it's been said by non-astronomers that the world's first trillionaire is expected to be a space entrepreneur. So any kids listening in, Stick with space. It's the future. It's, it's, it's where the real money is. Uh, also, before, before I let you go, uh, David, uh, Venus is in retrograde. I'm sure lots of people are excited about that. What does actually that mean? Well, it, it just the planets normally move one particular direction in the sky, but occasionally as we overtake them or they overtake us, they appear to move backwards. So they slow up a bit, turn around and head back in the opposite direction. That's if you plot the position of the planets relative to the stars. The astrologers are getting up in arms about this, but we know astrology doesn't work. I could prove that to you if we had more time and another time. But <laughs> Why, how much time do you need to prove astrology doesn't work? <laughs> well, I can tell you countless... Uh, a lot of my colleagues in this astronomy, especially the research astronomers, we're all in it for the amour, the amateur astronomy side of it, the love of it. But they just poo-poo the idea. It can't work. Not interested in talking about it. I thought that's not really good enough. You've got to check that it doesn't work. And lots of s- experiments have been done to try and prove astrology works, because if it did, it would be an incredible resource for the human race, being able to predict the future, or at least human traits. Imagine how HR departments could make use of that. And so people looked into it a lot, did lots of interesting studies and found, unfortunately, it doesn't work on the astronomy level. It does seem to work on the psychological level. You don't need the astronomy side of it at all. Unfortunately, it would be my interest if it did work. We'd had everybody joining Astronomy Island that way. We'd be the most popular subject in the the world, if not the universe. Uh, But unfortunately, I've looked into it and... uh, all the studies show that there's a lot of psychology going on, no astronomy, unfortunately. Yeah. But we were looking at Venus yesterday. We had a Venus watch. Unfortunately, it rained. We got some pictures the day before, but there'll be another Venus watch coming up on August 27th, a Sunday, if people are free at three o'clock. Check out the website, astronomy.ie, and you'll get tickets for that in advance because Venus is at its closest. That's one of the reasons it's turning retrograde. Ah, it's going right. to pass between us and the sun around the middle of August. And so is, is that what retrograde means then? It means it's just very close. Yeah, it's, it was sort of moving from, as we in the Northern Hemisphere look at it, from right to left. And then it slows up, stops and starts going in the opposite direction. Now, it's too close to the sun to see with the naked eye. And we wouldn't recommend people try to look for it with binoculars because it's near the sun and you might accidentally look at the sun and blind yourself. But we have special telescopes and experts who can set it up and do it safely so there's no danger of looking at the sun but you'll have to wait till august 27th for that one so don't go looking for the sun but you know computer programs can plot the path of venus and you'll see it's just turned around and started to head in the opposite direction it just does this all the time every couple of years or so it's yeah. nothing particularly uh, special but for astrologers they've decided that oh it's a time to reflect and look back on things uh, yeah any time is a good time to do that well, of course. And, and, and I think, is it next week? There's, there might be, you know, now, of course, it'll be like, it'd probably be like bloody cloudy. We can't see it. But are there going to be uh, shooting stars next week? Yeah, actually, it's Saturday week. So the 12th of August, 
Uh, it's perfect conditions. The moon's out of the way. It's a Saturday night, so most people don't want to get up too early the next morning. One of the best shooting star showers of the year. I've seen more than one per minute. Normally, you'd see one every 10 minutes if you're lucky. This is out in the countryside. So we actually want people to count how many they see. That's how we know this is one of the best meteor showers of the year because the general public count them. We'll have a web page up during the week for that. Remember, it's not till Saturday week, so plenty of time yet. There's full details in Astronomy Island magazine about viewing it, as there always is, and lots of other things as well. But roughly, uh, it's going to be dark enough by half ten or so in Ireland for people to go out and look up and count the shooting stars. Now, you do see more in the countryside, but even if you live in the city, the bright ones are always spectacular. There was an incredible one seen, uh, I think it was 2021, uh, two o'clock in the morning, and it, uh, there was one astronomer in, in Wexford on a beach who had his camera open at the time and took this amazing fireball. These are the ones you live for uh, at 2.14 a.m. in the morning, it was. Crikey. And uh, you see another picture. We reproduced the picture in the latest issue of Astronomy Island magazine. We're all hoping we get pictures like that. I usually get a few little streaks on my camera which is better than nothing. But the naked eye can detect them much better. Our eyes are incredible devices. Your eye is like a super low light level camera that can beat any smartphone and even some of the professional cameras on the market. And it's roughly a half of a gigapixel. So that's a 500 megapixel lens. Okay, so, my you know, mega, gigapixel incredible. lens eyes are saying I have to go now because of, of the time. David, thanks a million for uh, talking to us today. That was David Moore there from Astronomy Ireland. At least one person wasn't happy with that chat. How many times a day is Elon Musk mentioned negatively on News Talk? If it's not him, it's Trump. The talking heads are spouting about. Because, you see, we're on a quota. We we get a bonus every time. Elon Musk's an idiot. Elon Musk's stinky. Elon Musk, ha ha, he's got really bad hair. Ding, ding, just got myself a free holiday. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm. With Anna Glaze. On News Talk.